Let me introduce you to the elements. Hey, you, I heard you shining, but I got that gold membership. I rose from the bush like Valentine's petals from an unstable family of alkaline metals. Hitting prime time like Channel 5 specials, and I never handle rocks like Palestine rebels with pebbles. The antics and antiquities of Mr. Steve's always got a trick up my sleeve. Miss, please, ancient magic of witchcraft. Skip class, and I barely just passed. A young grasshopper that's trying to switch pads. She trying to get bent like light. When it hits glass Bong smoke got me blazed as hell Burning weight like them 47 J's I scale You can tell by the amazing smell And my eyes stay tight like I'm Asian Wow My man Dirty had the Buddha just to put me in the right mind Yeah You are uh. Hip hop will never die As long as we got real shows like this holding us down yeah, what up, Tommy, 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 Tommy. But now, to turn around and gang up on me, I have work to do. I have hundreds of clients to deal with. And just so we're clear, I don't care about any of them. They're all just a number, like wife number one and therapist number seven. Good day. You're really only our fifth. Yo. Yeah, yeah. Smith and Wesson upon that borderline. Big up, big up, big up. Big up to the one called Peter Oasis. Yes. Dominic X. Yes. You already know. NW3, NW3. Radio, baby. Right, Smith boys. Take it still. Let's get it. New York City. You are listening to Now Where Were We? NW3 Radio right here on WNYU. Darmic, I'm seeing way too many red lines. I'm freaking out. Don't worry about it, dude. Yo, what up? This is 89.1 FM WNYU broadcasting live from the campus, as usual, of New York University. How you feel, brother man? I'm good as always, and yourself? Yo, I'm amped off of some of those records, man. We, we're, I think that Killer Mike and LP record kind of like put me in like a real kind of mood. Yeah, I actually tweeted out your quote, which was that, Oh My Darling is the best song of this last century. No, I said the last hundred years. Last hundred years, which is the same thing as a century, Peter. You know what? Wait, wait, look, look. Every now and then, right, there are records that so push the genre, right? Like, there's so many records that come out that sound like this, sound like that. And LP, El Producto, Mm -hmm. and Killer Mike continue to push the sound of rap. Now imagine everybody followed suit and they pushed the sound the rap the way those dudes do. It'd be amazing. I mean, I think the biggest thing for them is quality control. Everything they've put out in the last two years is amazing. And and, and you know what's funny? Today we have someone in the studio. Yo, Young E, say what up to New York City and introduce yourself, kid. Hi, it's Emily Oberg. Not Young E anymore. Ah, name changes, brand changes. I retired that name. Ret- retired, all right then. <laughs> Very early retirement. Dude, you're 20. How can you retire anything? Because I'll be 21 and then I won't be young anymore. <laughs> oh, so 21 is the age at which rappers have to re- you retire the word young? I just feel like it's so current, the whole young thing. I'm over it. Right? And that is Emily Oberg. Emily is making her second return to the studio. Last I think it's time. her first return and second time here. Okay, exactly. It's her second second appearance here yes. on the radio in New York City. Her first time she was here, she was 
co-hosting with me while Darmic was on one of his trips. Yes. Um, I believe that trip was to Boston and not one of your bigger trips. Yes, this was this was just a hometown visit. This was a hometown visit, and we had the homie Rost, RFC here. We had Sasha Jenkins and SK mm-hmm. and everybody. And Emily held it down. Yep. And so much that we decided to bring her back. Mm-hmm. What's new for you, Oberg? Um, just working, working on more mixes, um, personal projects, secret projects. Secret projects. And and for our audience who doesn't know who you are, how do you pay the bills? Um, I am a editorial producer for Complex Magazine, based in New York. You're an on-air personality okay, on Complex I hate Television. Okay, I that title, though. I like my editorial. That's what it says on my desk, editorial producer, so please. I know, but for people who don't know you, Emily, you I'm... need to tell them that you're the girl <laughs> on-air that they send to every sneaker Yes, op- I, I, sneaker give, drop. I give everyone their sneaker news, basically. There yeah. you go. Which uh, makes her a favorite of uh, Hype Beast everywhere. <laughs> yes, in, in a lot of ways. Shout out to Hype Beast everywhere. <laughs> I, you know, I, I'm, I'm sure. And we were talking about this off air that you're you're the type of person who gets stopped in the streets wherever you go by by adoring fans. This is true, right? No, Not, <laughs> maybe. How how many times a week do you get stopped? I don't know. So, when, when I cover a drop, it's a little bit more like they know, they know, they <laughs> know, <knows>. they know. <laughs> <laughs> Darnick, the only time we ever get stopped is never. No, I actually... I, yeah, I, he was telling me you got stopped. I got stopped at the Rory show. Shout out to the, to the, the little homie Rory, a uh, friend of ours. He was uh, having... He had his first show in New York at uh, Webster Hall. And, and I actually... People were coming up to us and uh, saying, Yo, you guys are doing a great job with the show. And, and we listen all the time. And you know that was pretty cool. It shows that, that we're progressing here, Peter. Mm-hmm. If you went out a little bit, maybe you would get stopped in the streets too. Yeah, because I really want to be out at the club. <laughs> <laughs> and then the club goes up. Yeah, I want to give a shout out. The, the beat that's playing behind us right now is from a friend called DJ High Tech. And, and the song is Fortified Live by our most deaf Talib Kweli. And most of all, Mr. Man, who actually just randomly texts me. He must have some type of weird, how you call it? Telekinesis day. Yeah, dude. Yeah. So, Mr. Man, <laughs> what up there? Mr. Man is a, an original member of the Bush Babies crew, mm. Brooklyn, New York, uh, also a City Ad School alumni. So, uh, what's up, Darmic? Yes. We have a great show lined up today. Who do we have in the studio? So much like Emily, this guy is returning back to WNYU. His name is Paul Cantor. He is a writer, a producer, and uh, and just an all-around dope person. And uh, yeah, I'm glad to have him back. Good so, friend of yours, longtime friend of yours. Yep, it's the return of Paul Gooch Cantor, Staten Island's very own. Yes. And uh, we have some tricks up our sleeve as usual. We're not going to make him rap and do the three's the magic number thing. No, no. No but, more uh, rapping for It's going to be really fun. And then we have Emily at the end of the show who's going to come in and talk to us about whatever is current, right? Yep. Because <laughs> you know what's current. I guess. We're, we're old men here on the station. So. What? You're 22. <laughs> this is true. Sometimes I just, I'm on my old man Dharmic. Uh, some old man okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Nope. Yep, yep. <laughs> it happens. I don't know. But yeah, so what's going on here, Peter? We got, we, got, we got more music. The number to call, as always, is 212-998-1818. Once again, it's 212-998-1818. Please hit us up. Yeah, please call. We're not going to put you on air because we run the risk of you and your, your stink butt. Cursing. <laughs> Let's get back into the music. Right here. NW3 Radio. And WMYU. Warriors. 
come out to play. FM New York. WN, turn me up. You're up, you're up, you're up. WNYU. Yo, for some reason I can't hear myself. Can't hear yourself in the headphones? I don't know. Oh, oh, maybe now now you can hear yourself. Unbelievable, Darmic. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. 89 to the 1. WNYU FM. This is NW3 Radio. My name is Peter Oasis, aka Senor Swanky, along with Senor Punjab, and we're here. And what a wonderful night it is. We have a guest here in the studio, and we also have an announcement. Yes. So next week, we are going to have two tickets to the very exclusive Sonos soundstage starring the one and only. Party Supplies. And here's the announcement. For the very first time, Party Supplies will be backed by a wonderful band by the name of Antibalas. We have Rock Marciano and a lot of special guests. And we're going to be playing some great music. That's in New York City next Friday. And we will have tickets next week. So please tune in. Yes. And I'm, I'm very happy for the show. Yeah, Peter's been planning this for a few weeks here, and he's been telling me a little bit about what we have in store. And it's going to be special. This is a special one because we're playing uh, beats from the Blue Chips albums, both Blue Chips 1 and 2. So use your imagination. It's going to be a great night. And without any further ado, we have the journalist, producer, and buddy of mine, probably one of my better-looking friends, and his name is... Paul Cantor. Yes. Welcome um, back, sir. Oh, it's good to be here. Um, thanks for having me back. Um, I feel like I'm hearing Peter on a radio is like, I can tell this is his dream job. Um, you're, you're responsible for this in a way. In what way am I responsible? So, back when I had you on here in 2012, your appearance here and, and me putting the show online is what got Peter to finally hit me back after like disappearing for six months. Suddenly he was like, wait a minute, how'd you get uh, Gooch on the show and not me? And that's basically <laughs> frantically started like hitting me up, and that's when we started like hanging out. That's really funny. Um, yeah, I mean, Peter's got a good radio voice. Um, it's, it's particularly sexy and um soothing and um yeah i've trained my whole life for this gooch yeah i know and uh it's fun i I like hearing you yeah so this is good i look we've had a lot of our friends up here and you have always been on the list of people to invite up and i waited until we got the show to a point where we kind of run smoothly, right, Darmic? Yes, we were not always running smoothly. No, not at all. And, and now we're <laughs> we're here. Does that surprise you at all that we weren't always running smoothly? Not at all. Although <laughs> I gotta say, um, I'm glad to be here now because just even being down in this area, you know, I was walking around over the weekend. And um, even just walking around tonight, there's just so many students around, schools in session. So if you were here, you know, during the summer, you know, I'm not saying nobody's here, but there's obviously more people around and I'm pretty sure more people are listening. (laughs) So that's, you know, you always just want to be on a radio when people are tuned in. Not trying to say nobody was listening before, but, but it was summer. Believe me, they listen. (laughs) Yes. That, that's the one thing here. People listen and people call and people bother Darmic. We once had a caller, Paul Gooch. I'm going to call Paul Gooch because I know him as Gooch. I was, I was introduced by a friend named John Moskowitz 
as to say this is Gooch. And right. We went to a concert together. We went to see Kid Sister. I believe it was a Fool's Gold night over at the. I think I, we met before that though, very briefly, at Sway, uh, when I think Roxy uh, had a party there, and I did meet you very briefly there. You made a cameo appearance. That was back when. You had a little bit more of a capacity for partying and things of that nature. Well, we're um, talking probably about seven, eight years ago. So it, it was a while ago, um, but then we did we did meet at the yeah it was Kid Sister, and I remember Kanye came out and we went out and, and that we, was at the the planetarium. It was at the it was at the planetarium and um, we went out. After, well, we didn't wait for the show to end. In true uh, media guy, cool guy fashion, we left as Kanye hit the stage. <laughs> right, right. We're like, oh, Kanye's on. Let's get the hell Let's out of here. Let's get out of here. Yeah. Who wants to see that? So, Loser. <laughs> so we went over to some barbecue <laughs> spot. And we sat. I believe it was you and your friend Rob Markman. Yes. So the uh, guy who works over at uh, MTV. Viacom. MTV News. Yep. And John Moskowitz. And, and I think there it. was one other person, but I can't really remember who that I was. I can't remember. I Would it be kinda... Tim Otep? Would it be Tim? No, nah, it wasn't nah. Tim. I, I kind of forget who it was. I actually feel bad about that, but um, whoever it was, hopefully they're not listening. Um, <laughs> but it was a good night. And then we've met a few times after that, and then we've kept in touch, and I've even hired Paul at yeah. one point to produce a very big show at the uh on the east river it was called the snow scrapers event it was the coldest day on record a red bull show. in new york city it was a red Th- bull that was show. the coldest day of my life i never have never experienced I've anything never. colder than that darmic p- picture the scene it, it's winter yeah it's already five below zero yeah and red bull builds this snow, a snow park a snow park on the <laughs> east river in the middle yeah i remember having on literally Five pairs of sweatpants, like seven sweatshirts, uh, and like two jackets, and like nine pairs of socks. Wow. And you still were, you know, my feet were freezing, and we were out there, um, I believe it was like from about seven o'clock in the morning until, Until you know, had to be two, three in the morning. We were legit frostbitten. It it was horrible. But it, it was, it, but it was fun because we got to be on a stage while Anthrax a- performed. Anthrax performed, and you know you're standing in front of I don't know however many that was a couple thousand people. Had and to let's be. not forget the star of the show. He's a, a snowboarder by the name of Sean White. Whoa, that's true. Sean White. Sean White was the guy who did this yeah. historical jump on in Manhattan. Yeah, yeah. And, and, that was on, and that was on television. That was on NBC. So that was fun, yeah. Wow. So, so we produced the show together along with our friend Arthur Bergamo and, and a great Red Bull people. Shouts to Karma Gardner, who isn't at Red Bull anymore, but she had hired us and it was a great time. Yeah, that was fun. And and during that time... The, the, and we made a few concerts together, too. Yeah, I, I brought in Gooch to help on some shows. And, uh, it's been fun. So the, the connection here is that with Gooch and rap is that he is from the... Borough of Staten Island, okay, and Staten Island is the home of the Wu Tang Clan. And Paul Gooch, I'm gonna call—I don't know if to call you Paul or Gooch. I would say go with Paul, since I—I I never call you Paul. Like uh, all of a sudden, I'm gonna come over here, yo, Paul. <laughs> okay, cool. All right, so Go- Gooch, you do, do what you feel. It's so, your show. Okay, Gooch is your guest. Gooch has worked with a few members of the clan. 
Not the Wu Tang Clan to be specific. Not when you say the Clan, oh, you can be very see? misleading. Okay, well, who'd you work with? Oh uh, man, uh, you know, back when I was more of a Staten Island, you know, local person, I, you know, had done work with uh, Raekwon, You God, um, man, who else? Bunch of the guys from Killer Army. Um, what about the Jewish kid? I never did anything with Remedy, although his studio is right down the street from me. I know him a little bit, but I never really did anything with him. But he's a good guy, though. How about that guy who jumped off the building and chopped off uh, his private parts? You work with him? Uh, well, oh, he was a guy from um, from uh, man, I forget the name of that group. Um, no, I don't think he. You know, so many people affiliated with Wu Tang. Wu Tang is like so big, and it was so large at that time. You know, you could just be walking around downtown Manhattan, and you would just bump into somebody, and they were like in Wu Tang randomly. He'd be like, "Oh yeah, I'm in Sons of Man, and I also do security at this building." <laughs> <laughs> you know, and you'd just be like, "What? I thought you had a record deal." He's like, "Oh no, I I do, but you know, I'm also signed to Sony." Just, <laughs> I'm signed would... to Sony and also hired by Sony <laughs> to watch the door. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because you know it, things were grimy back then, so even though these guys were signed a lot of them had deals um you know people weren't really making that much money you know i don't want to say who was taking what you know um but a lot of people were getting jerked so they were just like kind of happy to be there you know and when you really think about it the amount of records like a group like let's say killer army these guys you know have gold records you know sold like hundreds of thousands of records now you know if like Wiz Khalifa or somebody goes gold, it's like, oh man, we went gold. You know what I'm saying? Like these were groups nobody even cared about going gold. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not gonna say you know they weren't relevant, you know, but it was definitely underground rap, and they were the biggest of you know in terms of underground rap. And in my opinion, you know, most late '90s underground rap basically was fake Wu Tang music anyway. So I always feel like pretty much all the stuff that was coming out was trying to be like you know killer army and sons of man anyway you know what i mean um that stuff was so ahead of its time like i mean i have vinyl and stuff from like 93 94 that basically sounded like everything that that you know all the underground labels started putting out in the late 90s you know so uh, there's a lot of underground trends that kind of originated in staten island and that's for sure Indeed. If you just tuned in, this is 89.1 FM, WNYU. It's the NW3 radio show. We're broadcasting from the basement at WNYU. We have Darmic X, as usual, Emily Olberg in the background, and the writer, producer, and rap personality and great thinker Paul Cantor of Staten Island. Yeah. Shouting out his, his rap roots at the moment. You were going somewhere with this, though. No, well, I wanted to bring it up because, you know what, this is a rap show, and sometimes we forget that we're a rap show. We're like the dog that acts like a cat or the cat that acts like the dog. <laughs> we're, we're a rap show at heart, although we try to be the GPR, the uh, ghetto public network here. <laughs> I think that would be GPN, not R. Oh, sorry. Letters. Uh, no, that's ghetto public radio. Right. Uh, there sorry you about that. Sorry, America. <laughs> Shoot me. But uh, we have Paul Cantor here, and Paul comes from from a production background, which is interesting because I feel that a lot of music writers are writers that have never created music. 
mm-hmm. and for for someone like Paul to create music and also write about it, you write about it from a different place. Is that true? Oh uh, yeah, that's very true. Um, I mean, what you speak, what you say, is couldn't be any more true. I mean, in my opinion. Um, you know, a lot of people who write about music have no idea what it means to, you know, sit down and create something. So there, um, there is a lot of misinformation that sort of makes its way out there just because um, there's a lack of understanding. I mean, I remember um, probably very early on, you know, when I started writing professionally, where I may have described something like I was writing. I was writing something about music, and I may have described it in a very musical term, and you know, maybe said something like, "These are, you know, uh, some type of chord progression that you know I knew how to explain in a very musical term." And an editor told me I was wrong, and I was like, "I'm not wrong. I know, you know, what a one, four, five, you know, chord progression is, um, or like." minor chords it's just like simple stuff you know what i mean i would never make it so complicated that nobody could understand but it would be funny because they would tell me i you know i take this out you know um describe it a different way and i'm like this is the best way to describe it this is talking about music you know what i mean this is like putting it in its actual terms this is not saying oh the these are boom bap drums or you know the the um the bottom heavy bass like what does that even mean uh, you know what does bottom heavy mean like you know if you can sort of explain it in a very real term like i can tell you what bottom heavy means you know what i mean i know what bottom is from a scientific standpoint as a producer you know from a musical standpoint like so that's always funny to me you know and I, um yeah you're right I definitely approach it that way. I also have a different appreciation also for, you know, people who do create things. So because when you are a person who like has worked on the creative side of music, you you tend to be a little more um, appreciative of the effort that goes into that instead of just saying this sucks. Yeah. You know, Uh, on the other side, I've definitely seen a few writers um, who were trying to be artists and then sort of stumbled into into the writing profession. Right. That's also a thing. A lot of people who write are, I mean, let's just keep it real, they're just failed rappers. Um, or failed pop singers, or, not looking at anybody in particular. <laughs> Why don't you name names? It's okay. Nobody, their <laughs> listeners don't even know who it is, so I'll keep going. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, mo- most people who, you know, write about music sort of fall into it, you know. Um, they're trying to do something else. They make a few connections and, you know, um, writing is something that a lot of, particularly about music, is sort of this thing that kind of anybody can do if, and, and if you just know the right people, um, sort of connect a few dots um, and are reliable and can kind of deliver, you know, fast and um, consistently, you can kind of get work. So that actually, you know, is a very real thing. Um I don't know. You know, I, I try not to be too judgmental, although I am a f- judgmental person, you know, unfortunately. But <laughs> I try not to be too judgmental of people. But, I mean, I think that um, the reality is that, you know, I, I'm still producing now. I still write songs now. And, you know, um, I'm still fairly active and I'm happy about that. You know, I'm like a grown man and I never, like, really 
let the dream die. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't like somebody just handed me a check to write and I said, that's all I want to do. You know, I've gotten paid from writing, I've been a professional writer, and, uh, you know, consider myself a professional musician as well. So um, I'm happy about that, you know? And, and you should be happy. I, I want to go back a little. You were part of a magazine that was part of the double uh, XL family called Scratch. That is true, yes. And, and Scratch was, uh, if you don't know, good. tell people what Scratch was and what makes it important. I mean, <coughs> I think Scratch is like the uh, grandfather to a lot of music blogs. Um, well, I mean, Scratch was started originally by the guys who um, started Wax Poetics. Uh, the story behind that was the double XL publishers were in the airport. They saw um, Wax Poetics. They, you know, um, Dennis Page and um, particularly Dennis, who was the Double XL publisher, he's a real music head, you know, super into like classic soul. And, you know, like he, it wouldn't surprise me if he was listening to this right now. You know what I mean? He's, he's definitely into music. And he saw Wax Poetics in the airport and was like, yo, we need to do something like this. And got those guys to come in and build Scratch and make it into a producer magazine. Um, and I mean, when it came out, I mean, that had to be what 2005. I mean, that was mind blowing um, because nobody had done anything like that before. To I think the first cover had Dr. Dre on it, and uh, at the time, I mean, Dr. Dre had probably hadn't done an interview in you know five years. I mean, really, since then, he's probably maybe given one interview. You know, um, I think one of one of the interviews he gave was on uh, the. Um, tanning of america thing you know what i'm saying but i mean he's a very hard person to get an interview with so i came in kind of when the wax poetics guys were out um jerry barrow who uh, had been running it he was you know had come over i think from the source or something to that effect and then um brendan frederick who works over at complex now um he became the editor-in-chief and he asked me to come in to be the technology editor and you know i worked on that until it folded um that was a great time you know and then i wrote a blog for doublexlmag.com that was sort of a continuation of scratch and we tried to kind of keep it alive you know just because it was such a strong brand um so yeah that was that was really fun and you know my heart will always be in that side of um you know, if we could do something like that again, I mean, that's like the alpha and omega of, you know, doing uh, this type of work. You know, uh, that was me literally going to interview people who were my friends um, and people I was fans of and play with equipment, you know, and keyboards and stuff like that, that, uh, you know, all this stuff that I would just buy in general. So it didn't really get any better than that, you know. That was like speaking, you know, right to the core of who a person is. <laughs> you know, that's like somebody who's a DJ getting to work at a DJ magazine, you know. So we're with Paul Cantor, the writer, producer, and uh, all-around true rap fan. Um, we're on WNYU 89.1 FM. We're going to play some music and then get back to Paul Cantor. We also have young Emily Oberg here. You mustn't tell me you've got people to see. Not me. I, I, I put 34 years. This firm, Howard. Can't pay my insurance. You, you, you can't 
eat the orange and, and throw the peel away. A, a man is not a piece of fruit. Pay attention. Too old to have kids? Instead, you can host a foreign exchange student and give your kids the brother or sister they've always been missing. International youth exchange programs build stronger ties among nations, ties that will build more, a more peaceful world. You can find out more information at hoststudents.org. That's hoststudents.org. This has been a public service from WNYU. And thank you. You're listening to 89.1 FM WNYU. Darmic to the Izex. What up? What up? Yo, Paul Cantor. Swing that mic over to the homie Paul. We still have Paul Cantor here. When we left off, we were talking about Paul's days at Scratch. Now, Scratch was a smaller magazine under the XXL umbrella. This week, Darmic, what happened with XXL and what did they announce? Well, XXL announced that they were bought by, or Harris Publications announced that they sold XXL to Town Square Media, uh, which is uh, which owns other websites as well. And they announced that this upcoming issue, the October-November issue, uh, will be their last print issue, meaning that the XXL magazine will no longer be distributed physically and will only be online. Right. Which is kind of crazy because it follows, I think, two weeks ago, maybe three weeks, uh, Vibe Magazine announced, or Spin Media announced, that they will no longer print Vibe Magazine. Right, right, right. Um, yeah, sad news for the, uh, you know hip-hop and urban you know print publication industry um what are your thoughts on that well i I think as these big magazines are going out you have people like uh hardcover which is something that was started by um elliot wilson and uh danielle smith danielle smith and what we're going to see and i think this is great is we're going to see probably quarterly magazines printed on really great cardstock with great writing you know that will have the uh, quality of a book or the quality of a magazine gooch paul that you mentioned earlier by the name of scratch no the magazine that inspired scratch wax poetic poetic yes Uh, right i mean you know look um rest in peace to double xl's print magazine edition um i actually will be publishing something later this week um that is sort of about that Uh, i believe that's going to be making its way out into the world on Friday. Um, and so I, you know, because I have a lot of thoughts on that whole situation. Um, but I mean, look, the reality of it is uh, the urban print magazines, you know, have been sort of languishing for a while. Um, they're trying to, you know, keep things afloat. And I'm surprised to some degree or another that they've lasted this long. Um, I think it's bad because. Uh, look, I mean, that's how I got into writing. Um, I, you know, Double XL, for better or for worse, you know, was the first person to really cut me a check. In fact, you know, I had been doing stuff before Double XL for another super huge website that never paid me. You know, um, until this day, even at this stage in my career, if I tried to get some money out of them, they would tell me they have no money for them. You know, and at this point, they're so much bigger. I mean, this was 10 years ago. Um, and at this point, they're even bigger than that. Um, the reality of it is, you know, the money online is just a fraction of what it, it, it is in print 
and it was in print. Um, I could do something in print right now <laughs> that would pay me like you know seven times what i would make doing uh, you know something online and it's pretty bad because if I, if i had a big story now you know um i would be forced to like almost give it up f- at a rate that is not favorable um so you almost it almost makes you not even want to work you know you say well i have this exclusive if this incredible story you know i basically i'm the one with the exclusive i i've been hanging out with kanye for six months watching him do what he does hey i want to i'm gonna sell that story to somebody and somebody will offer you like five hundred dollars for it and you'd be like what are you kidding me get out of here you know what i'm saying so you could traditionally have done that in a print magazine and gotten paid well for it you know and uh things aren't like that anymore and um i think you know double xl sort of going away um is bad you know because the people who get to write those stories in these other magazines i mean let's just keep it real the the sort of white more mainstream magazines they're kids who don't really come from the culture often not really blue collar kids you know what i mean um and i'm not saying there's anything wrong with them you know i respect that too Mm -hmm. but you know those are opportunities that people like me and um people of color too you know what i mean primarily would never have you know what i mean so uh, you know those these people had careers based on urban magazines and now urban magazines are no longer and so now what are they going to do a whole bunch of people that used to work at double xl basically do nothing now i mean let's just let's just keep it real you know mm-hmm. um they i don't know what they're doing you know what i'm saying because they, ha- they haven't been able to transition out of that into something you know greater because there was nothing else to do you know so it sort of going away is not a good thing i, I feel that i, I think it was inevitable in a lot of ways. It was going to happen, and and you're you're coming from the perspective of somebody who had the opportunity to write in print. And I feel like the print side of thing is very a very exclusive sort of group of people, particularly in in the double excels and vibes and the any any publication really. Right. It's a pretty exclusive window versus you know somebody who just has come from like the digital space. I'm not. I've never been. Published. Yeah, I mean, it didn't have to be. I mean, the reality of it is, um, and. Uh, you know, not to give, you know, I don't want to give too much away because, like I said, I did write about this. But, I mean, the reality of it is when I broke into print, you know, online was already starting to come on fairly strong. I mean, Double um, XL really didn't even have, like, a website at that point. Mm. You know, they were so behind the times with that. I mean, we're talking 2004. They weren't even online. Which is the main reason why these publications are suffering because they were so behind. Right. They, they, they were behind. Um, but... The thing is, is that when I started writing for Double XL, um, you know, I basically was pitching articles. And so the idea that this is like this exclusive thing is not really true. I mean, the reality of it is, it's like the digital thing basically allows people to sort of sit and be passive and almost be like, oh, uh, you know, so and so did this, so and so tweeted that. Let me write about that. And it's like, it's basically very bottom feedy. Like you can break into digital so easily because because it, it doesn't take anything. Right. You know, to do something in print, you actually have to have an idea, and you have to be like, okay, there's a story here, 
you know, um, somebody's not telling it. I want to be the one who tells it. And I'm going to do five interviews and I'm going to synthesize those interviews and I'm going to create some sort of product. And I need to, I can't just have a brain fart and I write, you know, 7,000 words on Tumblr about it. I need to create 350 words out of those, you know, however many interviews. That's skill. That's talent. You know what I'm saying? That's learning how to be a writer. Um, Digital, definitely, you know what I mean, easier to get into. Also, its own sort of animals to sort of wrap your head around. I don't have anything against it because I'm very deep in digital as well. Right. You know, but most of the people, like, I kind of, when you say it's exclusive, I don't, like, I don't really feel it's that way. I just feel like people are lazy. You know what I mean? Um, I mean, I just recently, before Vibe kind of, like, folded i guess for the second time i mean i just sold them an article you know what i'm saying uh, what was it it was a pitch i put together a paragraph so this is what i want to do you know and he, you know here's the way i want to tell this story that's how anybody gets work you know like if you're not pitching you're not working i mean there was a time where you could just sit by passively and people would give you stuff mm-hmm. but you know those days are kind of over you know what i mean and everybody who was like that they're not making no money anymore you know this is uh, WNYU 89.1 FM. We're talking with Paul Cantor about the fall of the print issue <laughs> or the print edition of Double XL magazine. And what Paul is telling us is that people are losing work. I mean, they are, you know. I mean, it is what it is. Well, well, I, what I see here is I see the advertisers not putting money towards print editions because no one's buying it. So now you have the advertisers who are spending their money more online. And then most importantly, most advertisers are spending money in activation and events. That seems to be the way everything's going. And if a magazine or a media company isn't turning themselves into or uh, an agency, if you may, then they will fail. You know, the fader has an in-house agency. Complex has an in-house agency. Vice, etc. And I didn't hear anything of a double XL agency or, or any anything right, like right. that. So. I mean, I you know I don't want to. Obviously, what we're talking about is like sort of very you know in my opinion like a little insider baseball right now. So mm-hmm. I don't know if anybody's going to know what we're talking about. But but yes, the reality of it is, if you're a, a media company now you need to be a creative services agency um you know uh if you have audience which is what media companies typically have you need to be able to find a way to sort of take that audience and um package it in some sort of creative way and make your money that way the passive ad you know this print page in a magazine like people don't really want to see that anymore um, I don't know what people want to see. I mean, I have an ad blocker on my on my um, browser. I never see an ad, so I have no idea what the hell people are looking at. But sometimes I do take it off just to see what like websites look like with all their ads, and I'm like, holy, what is going on here? There's all these pop-ups and all this stuff. I'm like, how does anybody watch YouTube with all these ads? Like, this is crazy. Yeah, I, don't, I mean, I don't. I have an ad blocker on as well. I don't really like. I don't know. Like people are like, man, I I hate using YouTube now. I keep seeing all these ads. I'm like, whoa, why don't you just install this little thing and you'll never see an ad again? I, I haven't seen an ad in like five years, unless I'm all I for it, unless please. I like deliberately take 
take it off just to be like, let's see what you know the ad people are doing. Let's <laughs> see what they're trying to sell me today, you know. And I take it off, and I'm like, wow, the internet is miserable with all these pop-ups. I haven't yet figured out a way to sort of resolve that on my phone. So when I go on different websites on my phone, which I use a phone a lot to read, yeah, I mean, I get so many pop-ups and stuff like that. You know, it's mad annoying. I'll be like two paragraphs in and all of a sudden hey buy McCarty Fusion or something and I'm just like whoa what the hell is this yeah I mean I think there are starting to be more of those as well but like full page things but for the most part a lot of people in general don't like pop-ups people in general this has been proven like don't like the pop-up ads the, the right. tabs that just show up on your screen and so that's not really there in in most of the the bigger sites um, or at least the ones who are doing it well it's like you know more sub in integrated into the website and not like jarring out at you right which creates its own you know what I mean set of set of issues you know what I'm saying like um the worst thing is, you know what I'm saying, like reading an article and, you know, you kind of just not being sure if this is an advertisement or an article. Like, not that you you mind being sold things because you're walking around being sold things pretty much everywhere you turn. You know what I mean? Everything is an advertisement. There's signage all over the place. I mean, you know, just walking down the street, I mean, you know, we're inundated with signs. So the idea that somebody would be trying to sell me something doesn't really bother me. It's just you want to know that something is coming from a fairly pure and organic place and that you're not being gamed, you know. Um, that's why, you know, the trust in a lot of media outlets is particularly low, you know, these days. And most people just kind of listen to their friends. And, and, and that's... That's really what it is. I ask people, you know, how they find out about music and things of that nature, and they say, well, I see what my, what are my friends listening to? You know what I mean? What are my friends talking about on social media? What, you know, the idea that, you know, you would be some sort of booming voice in the sky, which is traditionally what media was, like an authority, um, I still think it has value, you know what I mean? It's just, it, it's a product of you know where we're at now which the voice has been d democratized so everybody has a voice so you can kind of you know listen to what people are saying even for myself i you know i follow a lot of people on twitter for example and i follow a lot of colleagues you know people who i do respect but at the same time i also follow a lot of kids you know um people who are like 18 19 20 younger than that sometimes you know because uh, they're the ones who are the audience for what we're doing. So, um, well, some of what we're doing, you know what I mean? Because some things I might write or produce are for all the people. But, you know, when it comes to music stuff, music is is really, you know, for kids. So you want to, I don't care what a 30-year-old is talking about. I mean, I care what a 20-year-old is talking about. I want to know what they're listening to. What are they talking about? You know, because when I was 20, I definitely wasn't listening to what my parents, you know, like... People be like, I don't really care what Jay-Z did or even for that matter, you know, Beyonce. I mean, this, this is like dead mom and dad stuff at this point. You know what I mean? It's like boring. It's not interesting, you know. We all fool each other into thinking, you know, into thinking like that's important, but it's really not, you know. Yeah. You know, if I'm in the lobby of a building and a 50-year-old woman comes in and is like, just came back from the, you know, Jay-Z Beyonce concert, I know that. You know, there's a disconnect there. You know, ain't nobody trying to listen to what their parents were listening to. 
That's you know, right. That's probably a good a good place there to, to segue into what you had in mind, Peter. Well, we, we have Paul Cantor here. We, we're going to wrap up with Paul, but he's going to stay in the studio and he's going to join us for our current events discussion. Mm-hmm. Uh, just, so just a reminder, you're listening to 89.1 FM WNYU. This is NW3 Radio. Coming up is Squeeze Time Radio with the homie Susio Smash and all that. We have young Emily Oberg. Speaking of the twenty-year-olds, <laughs> uh, we have um, we have a, a, a little bit of a conflict. Um, the uh, mega pop star Kendrick Lamar has released a song this week, and uh, we Darmic and I aren't playing the song here. Not not because it's not good, but because. It's a little too pop for our uh, format here. I mean, essentially, Kendrick Lamar, once he reached that first album, I we had to make a decision where we can't play him because that's really what Hot 97 and Power 105 is for, is to play a guy who is selling millions of records. All right, Oberg, here. I'm going to set this up. We have a guy, major rapper, always talking about how his album is going to be raw, full of aggression, this and that, and he puts out a baby wipe song. The song <laughs> is called I, over a very corny beat that you could no. hear on every commercial. I mean, no. this this beat has been sampled and used and synced in a million commercials. How do you feel about it, young Emily? I ride or die with Kendrick. I just love him. I think, yeah, maybe it's been used a lot, but I think the way that you use a sample, you know, that that tells it all. And I think he did a really good job with that. And I love him. I'm not here saying he didn't. I I, I think it's a great song. And and it's a great song, but it's not what he promised the listener. It's the result of some some Effie Berg in uh, some building somewhere saying, hey, we need the most pop song possible because we're going to come out the gate for this album and we're going to drop it and, and, and we're going to get radio play. You think this is the most pop song he has in the stash? <laughs> Trust me, it's not. Like, I'm sure the next one or the one after that is going to be that then, song. Then, then, guys, where is this this I mean, aggression that he promised us? He promised a fan... Maybe it's coming on the album. It's coming on the album. I, I think it'll be there in doses, but I think this is his equivalent to maybe Nas' second album or third album where he sort of transitions towards being now that he's the household name now that like the the college uh, sorority sister knows who Kendrick Lamar is maybe it, it, it now he's going for the chance to be that sort of bigger figure and, and make songs that are more accessible to them and maybe not so accessible to me and you sitting here in the basement of WNYU but where are the people who count, Darmic? Don't get it twisted. <laughs> Don't get it twisted. So Kendrick puts out a song, very pop. Ah, what are you going to do? Well, we're not playing it here. Emily, what else is going on? Emily Oberg is in the studio. Paul Cantor is still here. He's going to jump in on the discussion later. Um, Emily, big week. What's going on at Complex Television? Any big shoe droppings? <laughs> that sounds so weird, Darmic. It does. Yeah, a big shoe drop this week. Is there a line around uh, the store on uh, on Bleecker Street with a bunch of hungry sneaker fiends? Always later later this week. But today, a pretty interesting. Like three of Nike's biggest designers made the move over to Adidas, which is pretty big news. I mean, not just in sneaker news, but in the world of fashion, popular culture. I mean, I think it says a lot about Adidas. They're killing it this year you know Ke- kelly and i were watching a show on tv it's called the voice and they uh, they had hired uh, pharrell williams to be part of the show and yep. what i noticed yesterday when they cut to the uh 
you know, they, they cut out of a scene as they show this still photo of Pharrell and he's wearing an Adidas jacket. And mm-hmm. I don't know about sneakers. I, I, I wear what, what I get on sale secondhand or what's given to me because, to be honest, I like to put my money into better things like uh, food. <laughs> now, so I see Pharrell wearing this Adidas jacket. You're here giving us news that three big designers from um, Nike yeah. have jumped ship and, and probably signed a big contract over there at Adidas. Yes, and I think it just says a lot about the brand um, just expanding. and. Gr- I mean, Adidas has always been big, but I mean, signing Kanye, Pharrell... All these designers, I think it's just going to be really exciting to see what what they come up with. I mean, I don't think you could really mess with Nike. I I think from from I mean that's how people have felt forever. But I, I'm wearing a pair of Adidas as we speak. But I'm wearing Nike. When when it comes to advertising, I believe that Nike totally poops on the competition. Their their art direction, their creative team, light years ahead. Their design team. You know, don't get me wrong, Adidas has its place in rap history, right, mm-hmm. Darmic? Of course. We have run DMC and, and, and whatnot, but I don't see the world, I don't see Adidas taking anything from Nike. But that's the thing, it's like with all these big moves, they might, you don't, you know, you know? Uh, I don't know. I don't know, man. Let's I don't. see what they come up I think, with, I think it goes a little beyond just streetwear and into what, like, middle America knows and, and likes. And I think Nike has that spot cemented and will have it for a long time. Um, I, I mean, I you, really you see, see a lot of... Uh, okay, speaking of sneakers, uh, the brand British Knights has been uh, resurrected uh, by Scooter Braun, the manager, the power manager of uh, Justin Bieber. Bieber. Is that his name? Yes, that's his name, Peter. Justin Jeter. <laughs> Just, <laughs> Justin Jeter? Does he play uh, for the Yankees? Uh, so Justin Jeter's manager, Scooter <laughs> Braun, has uh, relaunched the uh, British Walkers. What is it called? British Knights, you said. British Knights, I don't sorry. know what it's called. And, and now, here we go. You, you put a celebrity behind the sneaker. Does that guarantee anything? Does no. that guarantee that people are going to wear it? Not at all. You, you're a sneakerhead. You identify as a sneakerhead. I sneaker would head. not label myself as a sneakerhead because that's a little obsessive. And I've seen your photos, Oberg, on your Instagram page. I like sneakers. I and and they're sneakers. mostly Nikes. Yes. I don't see any British Knights. I don't see any Adiodora, Fila. I have some Fila's. Okay, we know you have a friend of Fila. (laughs) Shout out to Sean. You you made that clear last time that you have a Fila connect. (laughs) I love Fila. (laughs) Wow, okay then. That is not a paid endorsement. (laughs) No, we do not do paid endorsements on WMYA. She just said, I love Fila, as she laughed. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Dharmic! What? I love. All right, calm down, calm down. I You're love name, like, Reebok. Some... <laughs> <coughs> I don't know. Anyways, I um... love me some Reebok. I thought you were gonna name food places. That, that seems more your your steezy. If you shut up. I out. love me some Reebok. <laughs> Oberg, what else is going on in current events, man? What else? I mean, police brutality is always. I mean, I feel like. Ferguson happened, and then a few days after, the Anaconda video released, and everyone <laughs> forgot about it. And uh, I just feel like, you know, that needs to stop. Like, so what, are you talking firsthand about the uh, media organization that you work at? No, Maybe no, no, they they no, sent no. a on bunch Twitter, of people down Twitter. to Ferguson. No, 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 I'm just saying on Twitter it was trending, and then a few days after, you don't you don't see or hear about it at all, and I just. 
confusing. Well, I think uh, Twitter kind of had a hand in putting down some of those trending topics and preventing some of them from, at least that I wasn't even in the country during a lot of that. Yeah. Um, but that's what I'm aware of. I don't know. Maybe maybe you would know a little better. But I think those some of those trending topics were still going on for at least a week. There was definitely a lot of talk, like, Ferguson happened for like a long period of time, but I think it wasn't hitting like the trending topics because Twitter didn't really want that for its brand or whatnot. I mean, even on other news publications, it was just kind of people forgot about it and people just brush it I, off. I don't think people forgot about it. No, not no forgot, one. But it, I mean, it's, it's not. It's not, not that easy to forget. I mean, particularly what happened and and the aftermath of it. I think particularly Ferguson. Um, and they, the there's still movements going on there, and I think somebody, a group of people, took over a courthouse there a few days ago, and uh, they're still they're still trying to fight over over there, but nothing ultimately has happened, unfortunately. Exactly, everyone talks about it, and then they do nothing about it. Well, what would you do, Oberg? You, were you on that uh, Complex Magazine bus down to uh, Ferguson? I did not go. No. But I'm very proud of the work that they did there. I think it's important that we cover issues like that. I, I believe so, too. But yeah, it's just like, when do we get to a point where something is so bad that everyone does something about it and not just tweets about it? But what would you do as a 20-year-old? You could do... You, what, what, do you ha- what can you do, right? You can go to a protest. You can mm-hmm. make a fancy sign, hold it above your head. I mean, realistically, you could make an organization. You could start a fund, like... Nonprofit, something like that. I don't know exactly where my place is in that, but well, I think you, as a young leader who has a voice on mm-hmm. television and an audience, you know, if you you could talk the stuff, you could back it up. You you have the authority. You walk up into that uh, building over at uh, the Time Life <laughs> building, and you could go to your boss and say, "Hey, you know what? Why don't we replace one of these sneaker drops with a socially conscious uh, video?" And I think that's the direction that we're heading, so I'm, I'm excited for what's to come. Thank you, Emily Oberg. Thank you. Darmic. Yes? You know, we, we, we're not supposed to talk about this stuff on this show. Hey, why don't you explain a little bit why we're, quote-unquote, not supposed to talk well, about I, it on this show, end quote. Because this is a pop radio show. I want to talk what? about... This is pop radio. Eclipse, this is pop radio. Pop radio. This is pop radio. I don't want to get in. This isn't police brutality. This isn't street soldiers. I just happened. Something happened this morning, so I was just. It was just on my mind. Speaking of something that happened that I saw on Twitter today, probably has nothing to do with police brutality. It does. A a pregnant woman in um, Sunset Park was assaulted by the police. Brutally assaulted. Pregnant assaulted. There's obviously so there something wrong with that. There's something terribly wrong. But the thing is, no, nothing's ever going to happen to these cops. It's going to keep happening because it always has. This is WNYU <laughs> 89.1 FM. I am Peter Oasis. We have the legendary Paul Cantor in the studio. We have my homie Darmic Eclipse with the, the funky fresh polo shirt. Petey Cologne with a cologne, as usual. Petey, say what's up, man. Our audience loves you just as much as your audience loves you, man. I love that, man. Myself or Eclipse? Yo, no, you, Petey Cologne, oh, man. Are you Come listening? On, what's man. going on? I'm sorry, I was focused on setting up for the show. Petey Cologne. Is in the care, zone at the moment. He could care less about our why show. Why is that his name? That. Is that, is that Ask actual, him. Ask him again. Ask why, him is again. That, why is Petey Cologne here? Sissia Smash is I'd here. Have, I'd have to tell you off the air. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's Hi, a good question, though. You? 
Look, you know what, Emily? Any any what Italian up? guy who grows up in the city goes through a lot of bottles of cologne. My <laughs> my cologne obsession started with uh, the um, Dracarno, Dr- yes. Dracarnoir. Oh, like, of course. If you're Italian, you had that. And then if you were a little fancy, I believe there was one called Tuscan or Tuscany. Or... Sounds familiar, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, we do cologne here. Petey does cologne. <laughs> what a great night we had again. I'm I'm so hot in here. I feel like the air conditioning isn't on. I'm, I'm like, losing it. Is it hot in here? I don't know. You're always complaining. I'm not complaining. It's hot. I'm pointing it out. I want people out there to know that we're sweating and and, and we're we're doing this this labor of love to bring you music and discussion. I think the reason why you're complaining is because you're Jewish. I'm not complaining. (laughs) (laughs) And um, speaking of, uh, it's a holiday season. Do you want to give any? um, Happy New Year to all the Jews who are probably at home complaining about something right now. (laughs) <laughs> I'm, I, I'm Jewish. I, you know, happen to know that that's a Jewish thing. You know, um, it's all in good, you know, good, good fun. But it is a Jewish, very Jewish thing to just complain about. But it, I just want know? the people to know what we're doing here. Like we're giving them love. I, I think it's also an old man thing where he complains no, because it's he's not. old and the bones are creaking and and whatnot. It just happens. <laughs> hey, uh, it's a New York thing. If you're from oh, New, New York, York, New York if you're from New York, you complain about everything. You know, New Yorkers have a problem with everything. Um, I mean, think about all the classic rappers. Like, think about Ghostface and Raekwon. Did they ever like anything? Nope. No, they had a problem with everything. Uh, have you ever heard Karis one speak positively about anything? No, everything just sucks. <laughs> you know, like. The reality is, you know, complaining is a very New York thing. New York people complain. I'm not complaining. It's just hot in here. <laughs> so we're going to do a poll now. Why is Peter complaining? Is I'm it not be- complaining. It's hot <laughs> it's in here. It's because he's a, he is a New York honorable Jew. <laughs> um, not officially a Jew, but... Well, I could be. That's a, that's a whole other story. So it's like, um, <laughs> we'll talk. We'll save that for another episode. What a great night we've had. This is... Paul Cantor is here, which is amazing. Paul's a writer. And, uh, he's worked for everyone. He He's paid his rent and his mortgage from the uh, media for years. So that there's a lot to be said about that. A lot of these fly-by-night writers come and go, and then uh, that's it. But Paul's made a career of, uh, of the media and music media and entertainment production, like we all have in here, like uh, Senor Eclipse and uh, the rest of our buddies here. Darmic. What do we have coming up on our show? We don't know, and we're not going to announce it. Yeah, so, I mean, there's the one, the ticket giveaway that you mentioned. We have a very big ticket giveaway for the Blue Chips live show yes. with uh, Party Supplies, Antibalas, Rock Marciano, and uh, a few other folks at a private studio. There's 100 people invited, and we have two of those tickets, and there's no place else you're going to get those tickets but on NW3 Radio as a gift from Dharmic X. And, and Peter Oasis. Two, and Peter Oasis and Emily Oberg Wait, and Paul Cantor. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I don't know. You call, Ask your boss at Complex if he could give you a ticket. <laughs> Noah, give this girl a ticket. <laughs> Damn. All right. No, do you report to Noah? No. No? Who, who, do you report, who do you report to? Laura Nostro? No, I'm not. I know your bosses. They come up here. They're, they've been guests on the show. <laughs> yes. Who, who do you report to? What's oh, his God. name? Brandon Frederick? Stop. 
Which one of I'm those guys? I'm not putting guys? anyone on blast. Yeah, I'm this, just, is, you're this, not, is, this is getting a little I'm just little asking much. who you report to over at the magazine. I report to a lot of different Who's your people. Superior? <laughs> Who's your superior? superior? I need to speak to your superior right now. Excuse so me. We're going to be on the radio for so long that one day Emily is going to come in here and she's going to have a junior Emily and she'll be the guest on our show. Yeah, I really need an intern. <laughs> I'm sure Twitter will find you one in about two minutes. <laughs> you can find you can find Paul Cantor out at Paul, C- Paul Cantor at Darmic X for Darmic. Emily, how do people tweet at you? Bay. Oh. <laughs> wow. 